Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. today. Hallelujah. I want you all to help me this morning. Amen. I volunteered this morning. Amen. And uh, I feel like I'm in the will of God. I really do. Amen. I'm going to be turning to St. Luke chapter 19 this morning in your hearing. St. Luke 19 in your hearing this morning. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I really can tell you that I I preached this message all night long. I really did. Every time I awakened, I was ministering and and speaking in tongues and tears rolling down my face. So I feel like I'm in the will of the Lord this morning to go way back in the archives and pick up a title and part of this kind of place some things together amen this morning he's the lord i want to be a blessing this morning because i feel like that in this spot that we're in in this church that uh, we need encouragement and uh, so i'm going to try my best to encourage this morning and lift up in this house Hallelujah. Luke 19 and uh, verse 1 through 6. And I don't know whether I've got enough time to preach everything I need to preach this morning. So if, if it just, I, I want them to start that clock. I don't want, I, I want that clock going this morning. And, and it just gets too late, we'll just quit. And uh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't want you all to miss dinner or anything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Luke 19, starting at verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Knowing, God, today that your word is already anointed, asking, Lord, for your presence and your anointing, God, to sweep through this place this morning. Ah, bring our minds together, God, today. Encourage and strengthen us, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. Speak to our hearts comfort this morning and peace in our minds, God, and what we're going through, God, and bring a deliverance, I pray, through your word this morning. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. This morning, I'd like to preach to you on this subject, the cry of desperation the cry of desperation many years ago God spake to me and spoke to me about this and, and I administered it and he had at that time had spoke to me and told me to that ever place that I got a chance to preach this message to preach it and it's been preached to home church but a lot of years ago maybe in a different way then I'm going to approach it this morning. But I'm saying ministers in this church, thank God for the ministry in this church. Thank God for pastor. Thank God for Brother Mason. Amen. 
Thank God for Brother Malone and Brother Zach McGee. We're thanking God for our ministry this morning. And, and I would say unto the ministry of this church this morning that whatever, Brother Mason, we want to do in this church, we better get it done. Hallelujah. Because I believe that there is a cry of desperation that's coming out from this world of chaos this morning. Saying, Brother Terry, we need answers. I'm tired of my life. How many times have you heard that? I'm about to lose it. Somebody help me. Which church is right? Do something. I need some answers in this world today. There is a world that's crying out. Amen. In desperation, needing answers. And not just in the world, but there is a desperation cry. I believe it's coming forth from the church that's saying, we need your help, Lord. More now than ever before, there is a cry of desperation that God, where I'm at, I don't like where I'm at, and I want out of this place of where I'm at. I want a revival. Come on. I want a healing. I want a miracle in my life. I'm sick of being sick. Come on. I'm sick of being drugged down. I'm sick of being weak. I want strength, oh Lord. I believe that cry is coming forth today. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah. But I want you to know that desperation gives strength. It has been said, and I've read stories, you probably have too, of people that were in deep desperation. Maybe a car had fell on someone, and some little old guy comes over, and picks up one side of that car to get somebody out to safety. Hallelujah. What I'm telling you is the desperation took hold, and it gives strength beyond his strength. And they were able to do that only because they were desperate. Well, I'm coming to a church this morning that is desperate. We are desperate for a move of God. We are desperate this morning for revival. I don't know about you, but I can't wait another day. I can't wait another year for revival. I've got family that needs God. You've got family that needs God. We're all going through something. We've all been touched by the enemy this morning. And I'm telling you, that desperation is crying out, I want help. Glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Desperation comes from the word despair. And it means serious to the point of approaching a crisis. And I believe we're there. Extreme in degree, power, or effect. Enormously bad. Ha! <laughs> or horrible. Without hope. Without care or danger. Extreme, violent, hope is dim. That's desperation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Desperation in my words this morning for revival. I have said it this way. I have seen revival, but I have not seen the revival yet. I don't believe that we have seen the revival yet that the God of heaven can and will produce. If we get in His divine will, I believe things can happen in our midst like we've never seen happen before. I want to bring some likenesses. Yes, my main scripture is about Zacchaeus, and I'll, I'll end probably on that note or close to that note. But as I began to study and as I, God began to speak to me, my mind went back to a man that was desperate for a move of God. He was desperate, amen, for the presence of God. His name was David. You can read the story in 2 Samuel for yourself. But David had taken a look. They had not sought the ark of God in Saul's time. When David became king, he said, I must have the ark of God back. I want to bring it back to the city of David. I cannot do without the presence of God. Saul may not search for it, but I want it here. 
I'm going to tell you, church, hallelujah, there is a many a church that's not seeking for the presence of God. They're seeking out their own programs. But I want to tell you this morning, without the presence of God, the program is no good. Without the Spirit of God, our programs is no good this morning. David set out to bring the ark of God back. Hallelujah. But I can almost let you know real quick that David was interested in getting it back quick. Like most of us, we want a quick fix. Amen. So David put it, the Bible said, on a new cart. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I don't believe this was just a cart. Amen. It must, it must, we must remember who was running the show. It's King David, and he never does anything halfway. I believe this cart had some silver wheels with gold inlays. This cart had some silver wheels with those gold inlays all around the bed. I believe it had shock absorbers, so it'd be easy ride. And I can, I can hear David. Oh, he's saying, God, we're going to give you a smooth ride today. You deserve a ride in a limo, Lord, and, and we're going to allow you that ride that you've always, uh, you've always deserved. He was not going to bring the ark of God back on an ordinary cart. He was going to bring uh, this extraordinary presence of God back on an extraordinary cart. But God was displeased with David because he was out of divine order. Oh, I'm about to feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm going to tell you, I think that God sometimes looks at the church and we get out of divine order and the Lord sends a bump the road. He sent a bump for that cart. Amen. And it chucked the cart. Hallelujah. And Uzzah thought he was helping the cart. He was protecting it. And he reached out and touched it. And you know the story. He died right there. And the David, King David was displeased with God that day because of what he done to Uzzah. Oh, but I'm telling you, church, we need to get in divine order. Come on, if you want to keep the bumps out of your road, we need to get in divine order and follow through with the things that God wants us to do, and it is divine order. Oh, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I thank you for what you have done, but God... I'm looking forward to what you can do. I want to see the revival that you can produce. I've seen revival, but I've not seen the one that you can produce. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe we must become desperate for revival. I've seen it, but I've not seen the revival yet that the Lord wants us to have. And he'll produce it when we get in his divine order. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have seemingly tried to fit God in our schedule, and it hasn't worked. Jesus commanded us to take up our cross and follow him daily. Not as it fits into our schedule. We have bypassed the burden for the emotions. Help me preach this morning. I feel the Holy Ghost moving on me. See, I feel like that's what David done. Hey, he was singing. He was, he was, they were playing music and they were doing all of that stuff when they were bringing up the ark. But it was out of divine order. <laughs> he had the emotions part of it together, but he wasn't in divine order and God didn't smile on it. I'm going to tell you, a lot of times I think in our, in our generation, that's what happens. We want to get it fast and we want to do it our way so... We get out of divine order, and, and we want the emotions, and I love emotions. Come on. I, there ain't nobody that likes the Spirit of God to move in our midst any more than I do. I love to see somebody run the aisles. I love to see somebody, amen, uh, doing the extraordinary things, those things that are not normal. You know, like what happened in here last Sunday night when God moved in this place in a mighty way. 
Hallelujah. And souls were touched at the altar. And there was a spirit of God that began to move through this place. Hallelujah. You know why it happened? We were in divine order. Everybody began to move in the spirit. And they began to let God use them in the gifts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. I want to tell you. I'm going to stop right here a minute. And I want to deal with some things. Because through the night, this is what I was doing in my sleep. I began, my, my mind was going wild. And I began to think of all the things this church and people faced in this church. And I'm so sick of the enemy of coming in and depressing and tear down. Hallelujah. I, I, I began to think about all of that and everything that's happened. I began to think about Brother and Sister Trout. How the enemy has attacked ever since they've come back into church and decided they was going to live for God. There's been a problem. Come on. There, there has been things they've dealt with. And it's, it's terrible. I don't like it. I hate it. Oh, and I think about the, the 10 years that we've been in this Mount Carmel already. And I think that everything that this church has faced, yet we did not come to Mount Carmel alone. <laughs> we did not come here. Amen. Out of our own order. But there was men of God came with me that was set on this board. And when we walked in and looked at this church, I'm telling you, hallelujah, Brother Freddie, we looked over some things. You know why? Because God had a purpose in us being in Mount Carmel. And all the men that walked in this church, they felt the same thing that Pastor did. Hallelujah. I felt this was it when we come in here. There was something that was in here that God said, I'm going to give this to you. And I thought, Lord, how? This is beyond our finances. This is beyond us. But I'm telling you, the God, that it's not above him. He's able. When I don't have the finances, he does. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost in this place this morning. Hallelujah. I began to think early on, Sister Sheila, we come to this city. The enemy attacked your family. Come on, cancer attacked you. Brother Freddie, the back problems attacked you. The business and all of that. It was just, it was just like an overwhelming thing. And it's, it's been fought. This battle has been fought by almost every family in this church. And now Brother Terry, Sister Rhonda, we sat down at our table many times. Sister McGee and I began to talk at everything that they've been through just this year. And I hate it. But I'm going to tell you, if we get desperate in this thing, I believe God's going to do some deliverance in this house. My God, I feel it in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Hallelujah. Brother Brian Roberts, Sister Angel, it seems like that ever since they have come together and come in this church, that there's been problems dealing with it. I'm telling you, church, I believe that God is about to have a breakthrough. Come on. I hope you hear me, Brother Malone. I believe we're about to have a breakthrough in this church. When it gets so bad that we cannot stand it, I believe God is about ready to bring a breakthrough. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Brother and Sister Perkins, ever since they've been coming faithful to this church, they're dealing with things. It seems like if it's not her dealing with it, it's Brother Perkins dealing with it. If it ain't him, it's her. It's nobody's fault, y'all. I'm telling you, it comes with the territory that you and I live in. I want you to recognize that where we live, we're in the midst, and I'm, I even told my son the other day, I said, you know, people sometimes looks down. Well, there's, you know, two or three apostolic churches in town. That's, that's a bad thing. But it's come to me that, Brother Mason, it ain't a bad thing. Glory. I began to think about it no longer. I began to think about it, you know. And others look down on Ken. Well, on us right now and think we're in a perfect spot. There's not another apostolic church. You know why? They're not here. There's all kinds of churches, but they're not true churches. They don't have the real, come on, 
They don't even know his name, can I say? Holiness without which no man shall see God. Yet they don't have that. Oh, I, don't get quiet on me. I'm starting to preach now. Hallelujah. Come on, church. I'm telling you, it's the area that we live in. And we must fight against this spirit that's against this church. Because I've got Bible for it that no weapon formed against us will prosper. The gates of hell that all will not, shall not, cannot prevail against the church of the living God. Brother Pat's dealing with things. The enemies attack him on every hand. COPD and all of that. And I know Mr. Alexis isn't here this morning, but I'm telling you, the enemies attack her mama. Almost ever since we got in this church, she come in here, she was going to do great things for the Lord. We had a choir going, she was in it. She backed past her, she backed whoever was behind this pulpit. Sister Angie Craig backed this church in every way possible. But I'm telling you, there's that fog that's been hanging over her all these years. And it seems like she cannot get to church. We've been down and we've prayed for her. Come on. And I know a lot of you have too. You've, you've been there to visit. You've been there to pray. And it seems like there's just like all hell has got a hold and not turning loose. But I'm telling you, there's an answer. We get desperate enough. There is an answer coming our way. Sister Charlene, you've been through it, my gal. Sister Brenda, you've been through it. But I'm telling you, there is an answer in desperation. When we get desperate enough, God is about to do something. Sister Jessup, you've been through it. You've come to my house, come and met me on the sidewalk of many of the day. I need prayer. I lay my hands on her right there on the sidewalk and began to pray and she gets them hands up, begins to speak in other tongues and goes home and it leaves. I'm telling you, it's something you got to battle every day. God, I'm feeling this. Shut up. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving some, some to last here, but I'm telling you something. Sister McGee and I has dealt with it. Glory. It's been in our house. Bishop? Oh, yeah. Devil comes visits me, too. He don't leave me out. Ever since heart surgery, March the 18th, 2015, I'm telling you, when I come out of that hospital, I come out different than I went in. Yeah, oh, yeah. I had a, a heart that was better, but I'm telling you, my spiritual being was in a mess. Glory. I had my Bible with me in that hospital. I'd get up of a night and sit over in the chair, going to read that Bible. Son, I'd pull that Bible out, and it seemed like it wouldn't speak to me. I couldn't even read it. I felt like a sinner. I came home feeling like a sinner. I talked to my son, my pastor, about it. I said, son, I've never been in this place before. The things that I've always loved to do, now I can't do. It seems like I can't get through and prayer. I can't read the word. It don't speak to me like it was. And I'm going to tell you, I've been battling all that time. But just here lately, God's got a hold of me. Hallelujah. You know why? Because I became desperate many times at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'd get up and start reading the devil. <clears throat> oh, oh, glory. I got a recliner that that calls my name when I start having lower back troubles and it I can't sleep in the bed very good I'll get up feeling worse and I went to bed and I'll get in that chair and I'll kick it back and and that fits right there that lumbar and that thing sets right there against my back and I can go to sleep not too long ago tell you, I want to tell you how the devil visits you. You think that he don't visit pastors and bishops and ministers? I'm going to tell you, yes he does. He's really visiting them more than you ever realize. I was laying in that chair and I don't even, I can't remember, I don't remember Sister McGee. It was in the wee hours of the morning and I felt this, it was all over me. It was like it was like chills all over me but it was the wrong kind of chills. It wasn't Holy Ghost chills. 
that fella, he got right on top of me in that recliner. He began to press me down to where I couldn't breathe. Honey, when I, I couldn't get out of that chair, but hun, when I come up out of that chair, I was speaking in tongues. And me and that old fella had a two-hour battle. When I began to anoint and pray the Holy Ghost against him, he left. I'm telling you, he's been back several times since but never to that extent. You know why? He can't stay as long. When you get desperate with God, the devil can't stay around where you're living. He don't want to be there. And he disappears for a while. I went and awakened Sister McGee. And I said, dear, are you all right? And say, she, I'm going to tell you, I believe ever since that time that that spirit got a hold of her and began to work on her. And she's been going through, my dear wife's been going through all this mess. We get up and, and we pray. Just here a few weeks ago, she was gone. I don't remember. She was gone. I began to pray. I got out the bottle of oil, son. I began to anoint the lentils and the doorpost in our homes again. I went through and I anointed every one of them. And I began to pray scripture against them. I'm reading a book right now about praying scripture. I'm going to tell you, if you want real prayer, you start praying scripture. Because what you're, what you're doing, it's no longer your words. It's God's word. Come on. When you pray God's word, I'm going to tell you, you talk about hearing you. He hears you. I may not get very far this morning. I don't know. That's all right. Hallelujah. Brother Mason and their family. And I can go here for a while. In this very church. And he's lost jobs. Got pushed out because of downsizing, they call. So no, no, no longer a job for him. He's pushed out. Other instances, you know. One instance, somebody that was scared of get, him getting their position. So they put pressure, pushed him out. Before he had a chance. Come on, church. I'm talking about the demonic powers that works even against the children of God, the very ministers of His Word. But through all of those months, Brother Mason, I noticed something that God took care of you all. And I won't forget. You know where this guy was? He was over here working on the media. That was during that time. I remember it so well that you could come over here and Brother Mason didn't complain. He was out here working on the media. Come on, church. How? Come on. What are you saying, Bishop? I'm saying we've got to be desperate for this thing. We, oh, come on. Even a no job. Come on, church. Mm, money not coming in. Come on. I'm telling you, we got to get desperate for God. We got to get desperate for a move of the Holy Ghost. My dear son and my extraordinary daughter-in-law. Before they ever come home, they was eight months in Florida. Hallelujah. As an in-house evangelist helping a church. Things were going well. It looked like they might stay there. Yeah, my desire was always for him to pastor our church, but then I, I just wondered, is that all right or not? I never, I never probed him about it. I never got after him about it. I never just kept after him. I just kept praying to myself, Lord, you know best. Little did I know, that my son and my daughter-in-law, even in Florida, they were not sleeping. I found out later. I was the last to find out. But Brother and Sister Mason, he, they called. They talked. Come on. He related the story to you and Sister Mason. That's all right. You've all been close all your life. Even when you were children, you were close. And that's good. I'm glad. Hallelujah. <laughs> but there was aspirations and dreams that my son and my daughter-in-law had set up 
and I went to bed and began to talk about what they felt like God wanted to do in this church. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is not through and he still does want to do it. But it's going to take desperation for the church. It's got to be desperate for everybody in here before God's going to carry out his will in this church. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Just to let you know, there's all these things going. Brother John's sister Sarah, even from Second Church, When Sister Sarah came to me, their life was in shambles. I wasn't sure whether there'd be a marriage left or not. But I'm going to tell you what. By God's help, the first time she came to me, she was alone. But the next time, Josh was with her. And I don't know, but it was right in that same time frame that they showed up to church. And they've been coming to church ever since. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost in here. There's something sweeping across here. God's speaking to some people this morning. Glory. Brother Andrew, uh-huh. Sister Ashley, when y'all come to this church, everything wasn't fine and good. I'm not saying all the problems has worked out, but I'm going to tell you something. I've seen a great difference. Sister Ashley, I've seen you change completely. Brother Andrew, I've seen some changes come about. But God is not through with you all. God is not through with Josh and Sarah. God is not through with Krista. Come. <laughs> and Brother Heath, Sarah, God's not through with you. I've been praying about this little girl. I'm feeling the Holy Ghost. I'm feeling boldness in the Lord this morning. The very thing that Sister Deborah wrote as if prophecy for this church, you were dead on. Come on. We need a cry of desperation to go forth from this church that we are not leaving Mount Carmel. That we are not letting up. Come on. All you're doing is driving us to our knees and we're going to pray and God's going to hear from heaven and he's going to bring deliverance in this house I'm going to tell you how bad it gets I'm going to tell you how the devil deals with you I got up and sat down and ate breakfast this morning my sure it was a hair just not much it was, I was good really I like right where I like to be if I'm on preaching. And I walked away, went to the bathroom to get my clothes and everything on. And the first thing that devil started saying, you know what? You took your meds, but you didn't take your shot. So I do something usually. I, I leave when I take my shot, I'll take and I'll leave my pen. The one that I've used, I'll leave it in my bag so I know I've taken that shot. I walked back in. Sister, I told Sister McGee, I said, I don't know where I've taken my shot. You can call it 69 syndrome, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I have to write things down more than ever before. My memory's failing, but I still remember who God is. I still know he's real. Brother Mason, I walked back in there, and I opened up that, and there it was. And you know what? He said, I don't mean nothing. I've seen you do this before. You take that. You pull the paper off of that, and you put it on that shot. And you didn't take your shot, and you just took it off and put it back in the bag. And that bothered me a 
little while, and I thought, you devil, you. I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. I'm going to church. It don't matter if I took my shot or not. God's going to take care of me because I'm preaching. You know what? When you get desperate enough, the devil don't stay around long. He said, it's time to leave. Oh, there's greater power in this. Come on. Than there is in him. Jesus. I volunteered because this has been a, a week of havoc for my pastor and their family. They've been moving junk. They've been doing this and that. And I knew he didn't have no time to study. And I called him and I, th I thought, my son just sounds so tired and weary. And, and I had no more than hung up the phone. And the Lord said, why don't you just take both services Sunday? And I, my wife said, you know what? If you call him, he's probably going to say no because you know your son. He feels obligated. I said, I know how he feels. I've been there. You feel obligated to fulfill your place in the church. But I know there comes a time. Come on that God has got to rest even for the weary and the, the man of God. And even in that moment, it was like there was something that come to me and all at once another message. I had a message for tonight. I didn't know I was going to preach this morning. I called and asked the son. He said, no, I want you to do Sunday morning. Well, the Lord just kind of laid on my heart and said, you just call him back and tell him you'll take both services because I feel like one service... One sermon is going to take on where the other one left off. And besides that, it, the tonight was geared a little toward children. A little bit toward children. And I, I felt like God was wanting to speak to the church this morning. I felt like he was wanting to encourage and strengthen some people this morning, including myself. I'm going to try to hurry now. Lord, hallelujah. Come on, apostolics. If we want revival, we're going to have to put our shoulder to the burden. Somebody say burden first. If we want revival before emotions ever hits, it's going to take a prayer closet. You cannot bypass the prayer closet and walk into revival. You cannot bypass the word of God and walk into revival. But what's got to come first? Come on. The burden for the Word of God. The burden for souls. The burden for people that need healed. Pastor, I believe it was mentioned. I don't remember where it was Wednesday night or last Sunday. I don't know. I've lost track now. But I'm going to tell you something. He, something he preached and spoke to us. He said, I'm not sure we care enough for our brother. When they get down and when they get in sickness and when they get troubled, I'm not so sure we put ourselves where they're at. I'm going to tell you, this is the family of God. If we cannot love our brother whom we see, how can we live God and love God whom we don't see? If your problem don't move me, how is God going to move me? I find myself and my dear wife waking up many times, it seems like lately, in the middle of the night, and we began to pray for people in this church that's going through all these problems. We start rebuking devils. Come on. We need to take authority over him. We've got power and authority over him. We need to take our place. Hallelujah. And claim victory against all hell. Hallelujah. Burden will never, amen, you cannot have emotions without first having a burden. If you have emotions without a burden, then it's false emotions. It don't mount to nothing. You won't have to work it up. 
Come on. It will come automatic. It won't be just a singing either. It will come in the preaching. When it's really a move of God, brother. And let me tell you, this guy's got the ability and he sings in the Spirit. They sing in the Holy Ghost. Come on. And they sing and you feel the presence of God. But you know what that's for? That's the prelude to the ministry. Come on. Music and singing and, and worship and praising God is a prelude to the message. So when the man of God gets up, that church is ready now to get bombed. They have separated themselves now, amen, to the message. And now they are focusing on the message. And I'm telling you right now, we're not moved near enough by the message. We're not moved by the word of God like we should be. Bishop, he'll go backwards. That's all right, y'all. I'm going to go back and pick up some old things because we need to remember where we came. Sister Sheila, I could pick up an old VHS and slip it in from the second church, even from the first church I could. I could slip in a VHS and about the second song, our whole church was marching around the church. Brother Mason, they was doing it. When the singing took place, I'm telling you, they was already involved. You know why? They'd already been to the prayer room. Come on. They'd already carried the burden in there. But you know what? They left that burden, and they left it in the prayer room. And when they come out here, they were set free by the Spirit of the living God, and they were free to worship. The gifts of spirit were in operation. It's because we were taking our place in the family of God. We had our place in the body and everybody knew where their place was. So they worked in that place so it didn't take it long to happen. Now we are so drugged down with all these problems and sicknesses that the death I'm awaiting a minute. I'm, I want that to just sink kind of in where you're living. Because I'm going to tell you, God might allow it, but the devil brought it. And I'm sorry to say, but I think in this generation, we and we're, well, we've got our hand out before he ever gets there. With it. There's nothing in us, Brother Freddie, that comes against hell and says, I refuse to accept what you're bringing. I wonder if God is just waiting on a triumphant church to say, I'm not taking it. I will not accept what you've brought. I will not accept what you say about my life, that I'm through, that I can't do no more. I can never work again. I can never have a job again. I refuse to be tied to that spirit of the devil. Claim my victory. Jesus. Emotions without a burden will never get it. Revival will not come that way. Hallelujah. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for again. The house be filled with God's presence during the singing and just carry it right on into the ministry. And then from the ministry to the altar service when God begins to move on souls and people begin to fall, fill our altars. When our baptismal waters, Brother Terry, are troubled again. Where the coals on our altar is stirred again that when people walk through those doors, there's something that wants to bring
It's a cry of desperation. Somebody say desperation. David wanted to bypass the burden of putting the ark on a new cart. But it didn't work. You know what? He had to carry it aside into Obed-Edom's house. Obed-Edom, he carried it in his house and he set it down. And was there three months. And David started hearing the rumors how God was blessing Obed-Edom. And David said, i got to get the ark of God. And guess what? It didn't matter what all the money he put in that flashy new cart. He got rid of the cart. He says, where's my carriers? Where's my bearer of the burden? You know what? I believe God today is looking to this church and said, where are the bearer of burdens? Where's the people that don't care to pray for revival? Where's those who will seek me in the prayer room and will leave their burden there and come out here free from it? I'm telling you, I know the ministers of this church know there is times that you get up here behind this pulpit and you feel like you're plowing without a horse. You are, you're pushing all you can and nothing's happening. You know what? A lot of it is where we have been and where we're still at. But I'm telling you, I, if you will help me, we're going to get desperate. I said, if you will help me, we're going to get desperate and we will win the battle. I've read the end of the book. Oh, yes. I'm telling you. Oh, hallelujah. Sister Perkins, I believe God can heal your back to where you don't have to have them injections. Terrible things that are, she's in misery two and three days after she gets them. I'm telling you about a God. That one injection of his Holy Ghost can take. Woo! One simple prayer, Brother Freddie done away with a back problem. Sister Sheila, you didn't quit coming to church. You sat on the back row. Come on. But you came in and the next thing I know, you was up here. Whether the doctor said you got your, 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 your immune system is no good. You'll catch anything comes along. I'm telling you, there was guardian angels about her and she was not about to catch anything else. Only thing you're going to catch when you get closer is the Spirit of God that's in this place. Glory. Hallelujah. Psalms 10, 107.20 He sent His Word and He healed them. Send his word. Everybody say, send his word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. You tell me what's important. When you begin to speak the word of God, it's God speaking. Jesus. Acts 10 44, the Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. It was the word that done it. Oh, Jesus. Haggai 2 and 9. The glory of this, everybody said, latter house shall be greater than the former. In other words, greater works than these shall ye do. Oh, how are you going to do that? Through the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost. By getting desperate. I get desperate enough till I say, devil, you're not going to conquer me. There's not enough devils in hell to do it. But I come against you in the name of Jesus. The name that's above every name. And you're going to bow to that name. Huh. Desperation starts to cry out. 
trying, y'all. Stay with me just a little while longer. I believe we're doing this. We look at the circumstance of our day and we ask how we do like David. How shall revival come to us? How shall the presence of God come to me? How's this going to happen? Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Is there anything too hard for me? Revival don't necessarily come through our programs. Come on. It comes through a burden and desperation. Hallelujah. Now, let me get to my real message. I know you thought I was preaching. but My real message, Zacchaeus was in a sycamore tree. They built coffins out of sycamore tree. Think about that. He was in a dead tree. Lord, we've been there. And it wasn't there by chance because God had planted that tree. And the angels, Brother Mason, for years had guarded that seed for this day. Glory. God seen years ahead that there was going to be a man of little stature that was going to need this tree, that was going to be desperate to see him. So he left that seed there and let it grow. So Zacchaeus, he heard that Jesus was going to pass that way. And he was desperate to see. He was rich. The Bible says he was rich. This guy had the moon up. said, man, that tree is there. It's what I need. So I'm blessed. So he, he did. Climbed the tree of desperation. He got desperate. Come on, church. We got to get desperate. If you get desperate enough to climb a tree... The Lord. I'll show you what he does. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. If, Zachary, if Zacharias had not climbed that tree of desperation, he would have missed revival at his house. Glory. I'm going to tell you, if you do not climb the tree of desperation, at First Apostolic and Mount Carmel, 1121 Cedar, we're going to miss revival. There is a cry of desperation inside of Zacchaeus. He said, I've heard about it. Today, I must see him. Let me tell you, church, there's people that come through our doors that said, I've heard about it. Now, I want to seek it out. I've heard of the presence of God. I've heard of the miracles and I've heard of the signs. I've heard of the healings. Come on. I've heard of moves of God in that church. Now I'm going to come and see for myself. And I wonder when they come through the door, are they disappointed? How desperate are we to win those souls that's on the outside? Come on. Are you willing to pray an hour before church? Oh, come on, church. <laughs> come on now. Don't say that it, it hadn't been done because it was a normal thing. In fact, I can remember as pastor, there was a paper that was handed out to our leaders. And if I remember right, I could probably go back and find one. But if I remember right, and Brother Mason probably remembers, but there was a, a place on there that you prayed an hour a day. As a leader, you prayed an hour a day. You was expected to do that. I didn't come and check it out to make sure you did. Come on. But 
But I'm going to tell you, it gives some people some accountability. And they done some things they would have never done before. And you know what? God began to do some things that he had never done before. I'm going to take this back here. I'm, I'm trying to get done before. If I don't make it, I guess I'll just shut down. We used bottles, you remember them? Son, we used them little drug bottles. People would bring them. Those little film bottles you used to have with your camera. And we anointed cloths, Brother Terry, Freddie. Brother Terry, both. We, we, our church prayed over them cloths. And we put them in them bottles and we buried them by our, come on, by our front door and our back door. We put them around our church property. We put them around the, the county of Wabash. And I'm going to tell let me tell you, you'd be proud of your son, Brother Mason. One night he come to our house and he said, Papa, I've heard about those bottles that you all used to bury and anoint them cloths and pray over them. He looked me, he was standing up and I couldn't look him straight in the eye no more, you know, because he's, I got to look up. And he said, Papa, Maybe it's about time that we bury some more cloths. Ah, does it take the youth to get inspired and to get desperate revival? Or we that know all about it, are we going to get involved and say, it's time. It's time for revival. Oh, gosh. Pastor, you and Brother Jeremy and, and me got in church van and we began to swallow up places, took our shovel with us and bottles and we began to bury bottles and God began to do things that we thought was almost impossible. Demonic spirits that we dealt with all the time. Man, I'm going to tell you, God knows how to burn the house down, the witch. Miles from the church. You know why? Because we buried one on each side of that corner. He got rid of some devil worshipers down the road. Sacrificed cats. Every place you looked, there were stinking cats. We put one on each side of that. They're not. They were no longer there. You know what? There's something. Now, they're grain bins. Woo! God got rid of the devil, and we began to plant seed. Church, I'm telling you, when you get desperate enough for the move of God, I'm going to tell you, God will get desperate with you. Come on, He'll join in with you. The cry of desperation was in Zacchaeus. He didn't care what people thought about him and his $400 suit. He didn't care that it got dirty. He didn't care about that tie that mattered. All that mattered was him. It was Jesus. Jesus was going to pass by. The revival came after the burden. He had a burden to sing. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Bartimaeus. And this, I, I didn't put it up there because it's not, it's, it's just a reference so you can read. Blind Bartimaeus had a heart of, of a child in Mark 10, 46 through 52. A baby don't care to cry in service when they're hungry. They don't care what you think because desperation is cry out, I'm hungry. I've got a little great granddaughter that, honey, you don't, have to, you don't have to say a word when she gets hungry. It was our house the other day and it was kind of funny because, you know, doing it for meanness but that granddaughter of mine was giving her these little treats you know and she'd give her one of them and she'd eat it just that quick and then she and when she does this she's not it's not like it's a, 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 it's, a it's a different cry kind of cry ah! so she'd give her another it shut her up for a minute and you know what she kept doing that she screamed to the top of her lungs till mama got out that bottle and then when that bottle came out she was all excited she was desperate for something to eat. Come on. I don't know about you, but I'm desperate for the house of God. I'm desperate for a move of God. 
I'm desperate for revival in this place. And I'm going to holler about it. I'm going to remind you about it. I'm going to I'm going to remind you of where we came from. Oh Jesus. One thing about Bartimaeus couldn't see the reaction of the people he was blind. Sometimes we need to close our eyes to what people think. We need to get desperate. Bartimaeus was desperate to be able to see. He was desperate for a miracle. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He cast his own garment away before he was healed. He wasn't poor. If you want to read that story, he had a, he had a royal garment. He was not one of those poor ones. His mom and dad brought him up there and dropped him off every day. And he sat there, but he was sitting there for somebody else and not his dad. God, help us to get desperate enough to sit there for somebody else. I'm coming for prayer for somebody else, not myself. Desperation will stop Jesus in his tracks. The Bible said in Mark 10, 49, Jesus stood still. Bartimaeus not only received a miracle, but he received a call. Because they said, shut up, you know. And Jesus said, bring him to me. Zacchaeus. The Lord says, Zacchaeus, you must come down for today. I'm going to dwell at your house. Come on, if you get desperate enough, it may be that you won't have to ask him to your house, but he'll invite himself. That's what desperation is like. I believe it. I'm about to close. Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus was thinking alike. I believe they was doing this, and I want this to grab you this morning. Brother Mason, you can come. I want this to, to grab a hold of you. I believe in their heart that this was what's happening to the pastor. That they were saying, this could be the last time he's going to come this way. We may not see him again. This may be our last chance. So today I'm desperate. I want my answer today. I don't want to wait another year, another month. I'm desperate. When desperation gets a hold of you, you start acting funny. But I want to remind you, one encounter of desperation can change your whole life. Jacob wrestled with the angel, got a new name, received a limp to prove that he'd had an encounter with God. And nobody could ever question whether Jacob had an encounter because he had a limp to prove that he wrestled the angel and won. He received a name change. A testimony and a promise. You beat that. Oh. And I'm closing with this. What will be the mark of your desperation? Desperation leaves a mark. Your worship may be marked now. The desperation is cried See, desperation's crying out. Lord, I need it today. I need you to do something today. In me. I need my miracle today. Lord, I got some finances. I don't know how I'm going to take care of this thing. But God, I'm desperate. And you said you would supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory. And my needs will quit being met when heaven runs out of riches, and that'll be never. Brother Brian's going to take care of you. Sister Tiffany's going to take care of you. What, nine years later now, almost? Is it? Going to 10. Sister Sheila's still with us. And her husband will tell you, and I'll tell you right now, 
Not one time during all that time have I ever heard her complain. God, help us in our complaining. You don't have to complain when you're desperate, but you can cry out to God for He's listening for you to cry. I want to tell you this morning, this, this altar is open. I, I feel like there needs to be some people that's desperate enough this morning to say, God, this morning I need you to do something. I need an answer this morning, Lord. I, oh, altar's open. Would you stand? Thank you for your attention, your backing this morning. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.